You are tuned into a Heads and Tails NFL Injury Report, where each week we discuss the latest injuries and sports health buzz surrounding the league in an attempt to make football safer to play at all levels. Dr. Wazim Bush provides expert medical insight, while my buddy Josh Boyd keeps us up to date on all current events and provides play-by-play analysis. And my name is Kevin Som, and I provide the perspective of a former player with a passion for changing a football culture that nearly took my life. If this is your first time to the show, I recommend checking out some of the athlete and expert interviews that we have previously published on this podcast. For detailed show notes and videos from this episode, go to headsandtails.org backslash injury reports. Welcome back to an all new episode of the Heads and Tails Injury Report. You are now listening to week two of the NFL season for 2018. Uh, Today we're going to start off with the usual uh, injuries from week two. Then we'll move on to some illegal hits, questionable calls. Uh, the week one way to play award recipient uh, thoughts on Vontae Davis's disappearance, uh, Zach Miller's update on his knee and kind of his recovery and the injury and surgery surrounding his knee injury that we had talked about, I think, uh, in the preseason podcast. Uh, then we will move on to why veterans are now threatening to boycott uh, future Hall of Fame ceremonies. So let's start off with the week two injuries. Uh, first one up to bat is Buffalo Bills running back LaShawn McCoy, who suffered a rib injury. Um, not a ton on this one. It seems like he got a pretty hard hit to the ribs. Uh, I've heard multiple things, either bruised ribs, cracked cartilage, whatever that means. So I was wondering if uh, Dr. Waz, can you start us off by talking a little bit about this particular injury and what we can expect? Absolutely, Kev. Uh, LaShawn Shady McCoy uh, having this, uh, rib injury. Um, you know, rib injuries are a little bit, uh, strange, you know, they can take a little while for them to heal. Uh, he did, he went into it thinking that he was, he had a broken rib and was later told that there was no break. Um, it's going to be a tough one to heal because of the simple fact that he's going to constantly be taking hits in the game, whether or not he's, uh, um, wearing padding or not. And ribs, if you twist and turn, anything that you do, even breathing, can hurt them. So I think he's going to be a game day decision uh, for sure. And if he plays, he's definitely not going to be the same Shady McCoy as uh, as you're used to. So temper your expectations for him. I got a question for yeah, you, Doctor Wise. Is it is this like a a majority like a pain tolerance thing, or how much of it is like a, a re injury or or worse, basically? So, yeah, so it's a really good question, Josh. Uh, you know, one is definitely going to be a pain tolerance type of thing. Um, you know, anytime you expand those lungs, you're going to cause the rib cage to move, and that's always going to irritate it. So, from one standpoint, yes, it's pain tolerance. Uh, two, if he gets hit directly on that area again, he can suffer a couple of things. One, a broken rib, if that rib is already injured and then uh, inverts uh, or gets pushed inwards, he could puncture a lung, depending on where it is too. So it can end up being a more dangerous setting in the right type of situation. But um, right now, it's definitely going to be a pain tolerance type of thing. Pretty much any movement he makes is going to hurt. Gotcha. It seems like uh, this it's a pretty common issue with quarterbacks and they basically suit them up with a bulletproof vest so they exactly they don't have to do as much running around they really don't and they get hit a decent right. amount less obviously 
Absolutely. I mean, LaShawn's going to be going right up in there, um, right into uh, contact. So he's he's at a much higher risk, and he's probably going to get the flap jacket um, and some padding in there. So that's what I, I, I would think is going to happen with him. Yeah, just to speak from an equipment standpoint, uh, I, I I don't – I mean, I'd be surprised if they went with uh, one of the flak jackets like a quarterback just because I know from personal experience that it's hard to carry the ball and to receive a handoff with that um, mm-hmm. just in terms of like ball security. So I'm thinking more of like a lacrosse rib guard that's much thinner padding. It's a little more dynamic and it moves around a little more. Uh, that's what I used back in the day that seemed to work pretty well uh anything that's going to improve his mobility i I would imagine uh they're going to be trying to use and getting them in into to the game he's too dynamic right yeah you don't want to hinder him too much uh but i probably expect the still a good performance out of him and uh, next injury up is Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Mike Wallace. No injury or no uh, video on this one either, uh, but he was carted off the field with an ankle injury that turned out to seem to be a, a broken fibula. Um, uh, Waz, what's uh, his prognosis going forward? All right, so for those of you out there, so the the leg in itself is composed of two two bones, right, two major bones. One, your big shin bone or the tibia, and then the other one is the outside bone, which is a much smaller bone, um, and that's called the fibula. So in in this, we have no kind of um, idea where uh, along that fibula he's uh, broken the bone, whether it's below, above, or at the level of the ankle. And because of that, we can't necessarily say, hey, he's going to be absolutely out for this amount of time. Uh, each of those uh, injuries uh, warrant a different recovery time, time frame. However, what we do know is that it takes at least six weeks for bones to heal. Um, so we're talking at least six weeks, plus we're talking about at least a couple of weeks for recovery. So minimum, best case scenario, we're looking eight to ten weeks. And from what I'm understanding, it, it, there's talks of him uh, being lost for the season. Again, we bring up guys like Odell. We bring up uh, uh, guys like uh, David Carr, those types of injuries. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's lost for the season, but um, we've got a wide range between with him. So as we know where he broke it along the fibula, we'll get a better understanding of, of exactly how much time. All right, and, and Josh, what's, what's the impact on uh, the – Philadelphia Eagles offense with this injury? Well, the biggest news for the Eagles, obviously, is uh, Carson Wentz is supposed to come back this week. He got uh, cleared for contact. So as soon as that happened, uh, their head coach, Doug Peterson, said he's going to start. Um, in the grand scheme, in terms of their wide receiving core, um, uh, Wallace hadn't really done that much to, to start the year. Um, and he was pretty much their third or fourth receiver. And they're all very similar, uh, all of their receivers. Um, and Alshon Jeffrey should be coming back in the next couple of weeks after he comes off of uh, the pup list, which is after the sixth week of the season. And once he came back, I mean, Wallace would be phased out even more um, from that standpoint. So um, it's not a huge loss for them, but in the short term for the next two to three weeks, especially with Wentz just coming back and probably not being as mobile, 
Um, they lose a little bit of a deep threat, but um, for them, it's not the end of the world. Okay. And then we'll uh, move on to another injury with no video. Not no videos this week uh, on in the Twitter world, but uh, this one's on Detroit Lions cornerback Darius Slay. And just to kind of explain the situation uh, from what I read on Twitter is that in the third quarter, Darius Slay suffered a concussion while trying to make a tackle. 49ers fullback Kyle uh, Juicy. Josh, you got me on the, the, the spelling or the pronunciation? You- <clears throat> it's uh, one of the silent J's. Use check. Ah, oh, classic. Uh, uh, use check. Josh. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ash Boyd. I'm going to start calling you. <laughs> uh, anyway, this guy Kyle lowered his head to truck uh, Slay and initiate head to head contact. Uh, Slay immediately went down and was motionless for a couple of seconds. Uh, no penalty was called on the play. Uh, it's just really an example of how the helmet-to-helmet rule is kind of one-sided. And it's really called on the uh, defensive players, but you know the offensive players have a lot to do with it as well. So hopefully going forward, we'll see more penalties thrown uh, towards the offensive side of the ball. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, I, you're, you're, you're right. I kind of I would be surprised if they do start calling that. Um, uh, like you said, we don't have a video of, of it, but it seemed like on Twitter it was, I, you can't tell who were the biases of the people, but it seemed like it was your typical kind of fullback play that they were actually calling the first couple of weeks of the preseason, at least for a penalty. But, uh, obviously they haven't called for the first two weeks of the regular season. And again, this is, uh, it seems like the second straight week that he's suffered some sort of head injury. Um, you know, it, they, it, I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first week he was able to return from the injury, just was evaluated on the sidelines. And then uh, this one, he was absolutely taken out of the game. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the concussion protocol uh, gets him through at, at this point. Yeah, you would you would hope uh, maybe a, an extra week or two of recovery for him. You never know, especially with uh, looking back to last week's um, concussions with um with uh deshaun jackson uh of the tampa bay buccaneers you know he was he was right back in there and he caught a bomb again uh first first uh, first play of the game (laughs) first play of the game so um i guess you never know what this uh protocol is gonna bring out just like a box of chocolates (laughs) very well done Next injury up is uh, Cincinnati Bengals running back Joe Mixon. Uh, it says he'll be out for a few weeks after he had a procedure done to clean up some loose particles in his knee as a result of an old injury that was never addressed. Uh, Watts, can you kind of explain what this might be and what you know impact it might have on him? Sure. Uh, so basically this is uh, just basically putting a, a little – camera and a little retrieval unit in there um, into the knee, um, two little poke holes into the knee, and basically going and cleaning up from old uh, procedure. What happens is that depending on what was done, you can have some calcium deposition uh, or buildup inside the knee or a loose piece of bone or something of that nature that breaks off from the repeated um, wear and tear that, that these guys are putting their bodies through. Uh, they go in there, they find the loose particle, and they basically just suck it out with the with the other uh, instrument, and that's about it. 
it takes about a week or two for for the person to to pretty much heal. Uh, oftentimes, athletes are uh, right on their feet right after the the procedure. So um, I I would expect that he's out max three weeks, if if anything. Um, but I would say uh, count on one to two weeks this week this week and next week, and I, I think Joe will be right back in there. Yeah, I was when I saw this report of the the surgery and possible cartilage floating around there i just thought of my own knee injury with cartilage damage and kind of the impact that that can have on an athlete and i know cartilage injuries are a lot of times like the death of an athlete's career uh and no matter what sport it really is but especially a sport like football where there's a lot of you know running change of direction jumping uh and lots of force production you know through the legs uh, so I'm curious, like, yeah, I mean, he might be fixed for the next few weeks, but in terms of like long-term, you know, outlook for an NFL running back, I'm, you know, I wish him the best. Sure. You know, and, and Kev, I think that what, what we're seeing here isn't necessarily a new injury or a new cartilage injury or damage there. Uh, I think it's just, uh, them retrieving, uh, something that was just kind of broken off from the previous injury that, is um, not necessarily going to affect him in in that type of way. Um, these are often just because they're in that joint, um, they're causing inflammation. And once you remove it, the athlete's actually perfectly fine. It's just getting that irritant out of the knee, and that's about it. Um, but cartilage injuries are certainly difficult to return from. Um, I don't think that this is the case in this injury. Cool. Josh, you got any comments on that before we move on to the next injury? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of funny to say, hear someone, or just hear it be said that a uh, guy's having knee surgery, he might miss a week. It's like, <laughs> I know it's like arthroscopic and it's not, um, I guess, any surgery is a big deal to the layman. Yeah. But still, it's, and the other, I guess, factor in that time frame is that they played on Thursday night. So he played on Thursday night, and like Waz was saying, I, I don't think it wasn't one play. He played the whole game. It must have just yeah. swolled up on him. And the next Friday morning, he comes into the facility, and um, they determine to do surgery. So, so I mean, in in the scheme from a playing standpoint, he has three extra days of recovery time. So when it's when he when when they came out and said he might only miss a week, I mean, it's really a week and a half, and then he might be right back in it. So he might only miss one game, which is still kind of weird to wrap your mind around having a surgery on a knee for a running back and only missing one game. But um, yeah, for the Bengals, it's for the Bengals. It's really good news to hear because obviously they're two and oh, they've started off really well. And he's been, uh, he was hurt at the beginning of last year and never really got going. Uh, and he was their second round pick last year and trying to like fill a void at running back that they haven't really had a big threat um, at for the last couple of years and he's played really good the first two weeks. And it's kind of partially the reason why, uh, why they've, they've, they've been to and Um, he's just kind of a dy dynamic speed factor that, like I said, they haven't, they haven't had. Um, so for the Bengals, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a positive thing that he's only going to be missing one game, two games, probably max. Yeah. It just goes to show how far we've come in the world of sports medicine that, you know, a guy can be, you know, projected to come back a week after a, a knee surgery. But as yeah, we uh, move crazy. on, we'll yeah we'll uh, talk about New England Patriots defensive end Trey Flowers, uh, who suffered a concussion 
uh, on the Jaguars opening drive. Uh, there is a video for this one, and uh, Trey Flowers did not return. Uh, Josh, did you get a chance to watch this? Maybe you could break it down for us. I have not seen this one yet. Oh, well, I'll do it then. So basically, uh, <laughs> Trey Flowers was like hung up on another offensive lineman or another, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I'm trying to think here. Yeah, on an offensive lineman, he was like going down, and as he was going down, one of his own teammates basically like kneed him in the back of the head. Basically. Um, and he was like, he was a little rolling bit. around on the ground. Yeah, it seems like we talked about this a little bit last year. It's it's the ones that have seemed the worst, at least visually, are the ones that the players don't see, like the back of the head, the back of the head hits, or um, something like that that they just they don't see coming. And I don't know if it's you don't have a chance to brace for it or or what, but visually, right after it happens, those always seem to be the worst ones. And that's exactly right. what it is, Josh. You, you just don't uh, have a chance or opportunity to to brace for impact and they take you by a full surprise and, and that's it. And speaking of being taken by surprise, another concussion to the new England Patriots is that of uh, safety, Patrick Chung, uh, who was also serving as the Pats uh, primary punt returner. And he sustained a concussion late in the first half and did not return. And there's a video for this one as well. And he basically took on a block by the fullback and just kind of got like, yeah, taken by surprise. Um, was notably like injured. It looked like after the play, kind of holding his head. And he Shaking, actually, yeah, yeah he, but he returned to the game. So there was some controversy on this hit over, you know, the concussion protocol and was it really implemented to the its fullest extent, or did someone drop the ball? You know, these types of uh, injuries are are really difficult, you know, and really what you're trying to assess is, um, hey, did this guy just take a good knock to the noggin? You know what I mean? Or is there something else that's going on? Um, And and sometimes it's super difficult to to really tease out. Um, You know, you guys have talked a lot about concussions in the past and and their spectrum of, of symptoms that come with them. Um, but, uh, in the game time, uh, scenario, it's so difficult because you don't want to take a guy out when he's so impactful for a team, um, barring obviously, um, you know, uh, all withstanding any kind of like major injury or, or potential injury to him. You don't want him to be a harm to himself, obviously. So. Yeah. Right. That was some of the bigger, bigger discussions that Kevin and I had last year on the podcast specifically in terms of concussions it's it's it seemed like it's all very hard for not only the team doctors but the nfl too with with to try to make a concussion policy where you can see a guy visually see a guy get pretty dinged up um but then at the same time the team doctors can go through the protocol and they can do everything correct and assess that he's clear to go back in the game um and it's it's there's a really fine line between judging from the sideline um, and judging from the couch, really, if you know what I mean. Like uh, the team doctors are, 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 are paid to do what they're supposed to do. And obviously if they're putting them back in the game, they feel strongly that um, they're showing no symptoms. But a lot of times then, the sim- like, like Kevin and I have talked about, the symptoms don't show up five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes after the hit. They might show up two hours after the hit. So it's just, it just puts, it puts everybody in a very precarious spot 
um, and, a, and, a, and a vulnerable one where people sitting on the couch watching the game can say, oh, he's easy, easily got a concussion. He shouldn't go back in. Um, so it's, it's easy to say that from the couch, but at the same time, um, it's a lot tougher to judge always um, in, 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 in the course of the game. And you've definitely got that other standpoint of uh, athletes kind of, you know, not wanting to be taken out of the game. So, you know, especially in close, close games, you've got to, you've got to be careful because obviously nobody wants to come out and, um, but you've got to protect them at all costs. So um, tough decision. Interested. I would have been, uh, would have loved to have been a fly on the, uh, the inside tent to see exactly how that uh, evaluation went. Yeah. I mean, I guess the last thing I'll, I'll say and broadly about concussions is I've seen, I've seen enough in the past year and two weeks from the NFL of times where guys have not gone back in the game that when mm-hmm. they, when the, when they allow someone to go back in the game, I've kind of swung my confidence in, in, in favor of the doctors and, and in favor of the people who are making those decisions. Um, for, I mean, Gronk is probably the best example of this where, I mean, he got that hit in the second quarter of the AFC championship game against the Jaguars last year, and they didn't let him return to the game. Um, when I, I guess when the biggest, when it happens in the biggest of games um, and it, and it's decided one way, um, I guess it kind of, as a fan, it gives you confidence that, okay, if, if, if a guy got dinged and they are letting him come back in the game, um, that they've done everything in their power and done everything by the book and done it right. Um, that he is, hundred percent clear and is there's no there's no issue with him coming back in the game right and i think there is definitely something to be said about the delayed onset of uh those concussion symptoms so it's it definitely puts them in a precarious situation which is one of the best words i think that have ever been said on this podcast nice well done sat word for sure uh so now we'll move on to an update on aaron Rodgers and uh, he, he said, it says that he has no ligament damage, his knee, uh, in his knee injury. Um, no, I don't really know what it is. Is it a bone bruise? Uh, Waz, do you have any updates on, on that and what we can expect? We saw that he had a big, uh, a brace on his knee, like for what would be used for like a ligament damage type knee injury. So what are your thoughts? Jeez, even as a medical professional, uh, this one's an incredibly tough one. Um, you know, we, we think about the knee and all the different things that he could have injured, right? They've said no ligament damage. So, all right, fine. We've gotten rid of all four of those seatbelts that we talked about last week. So all of those guys are fine, right? So what's left within the knee? Well, you've got bone, you know, you've got your thigh bone, your femur, and you've got that big bone, the tibia, your, um, your shin bone. Um, those things could have clunked together and created a little bone contusion. You've got your kneecap, um, and you've also got, uh, your shock absorber between the, the two, um, between the tibia and the, and the femur, which is your meniscus. Uh, when you clunk down on those two bones, they crunch what's in between, which is that meniscus. So could there be a little bit of meniscus, uh, damage that caused a bit of, swelling and irritation and is there and is um uh requiring this huge brace to kind of keep some pressure off of the the knee and unload that joint possibly that's one possibility could he have 
clunked the kneecap and really irritated the cartilage underneath the kneecap or on the ends of each of those bones, that's another possibility. And all of those things can cause the knee to swell um, as well. Um, you know, there was this weird interview with him where he said he suffered a compression type injury of blunt magnitude or something of that nature. And uh, I was pretty impressed with, with Aaron Rodgers just describing this um, in itself. And when, you, when we think about that, we're thinking maybe, hey, you know, it, it, it just hit against the, the kneecap. There's, um, there's a, a fat pad that's just underneath the kneecap too that has a whole bunch of nerve endings that gets super, super inflamed and super painful. Um, that could be, uh, certainly inflamed in, in all of this. So the, the whole point of what I have to say is we just don't know, fellas, we have no clue. And that was the most vague type of description of the, um, injury, uh, that they could have given, which, which plays into their game plan. How do you prep for that? You know, I think that he's going to be limited, uh, in his mobility um, you know, in, and I think you could see that, uh, in this past week's game, uh, he did rush for like 11 yards or something of that nature, I think. But, um, you know, again, we're just going to have to follow this one week to week and see what we get, um, out of it. Um, and we'll see at the end of the season for sure. That's when they'll probably reveal what, what was going on with them. Yeah. And I just thought it was weird that he was wearing that Donjoy brace that is usually used for like ACL type injuries and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, are they, is this like for show or is this like really supposed to be doing something for him? But I mean, a lot of people are talking about Aaron Rodgers and his knee. And in my opinion, not always in the best way for the sport of football. And we started this podcast in large part to kind of help uh, serve as a catalyst to change the culture of toughness in sports and playing through injuries and kind of glorifying that. And, you know, his coach came out, you know, this week and said, you know, after the game uh, and said that, you know, Aaron's obviously sore. He's a warrior for us. Uh, he gave us everything or for what he gave us yesterday, meaning like what he left out on the field playing hurt and everything like that. It was outstanding. Um, and just to like, hear that and just and all the commentators on tv talk about how tough he is and you know really glorify him for playing with his injury to me it goes against the very thing that you know is the reason why i got as seriously hurt as i did with my head injury you know like you're taught from such a young age to suck it up and play through the pain and to me this is just like another example that's like reinforcing that concept and i think kids have a hard time deciphering between you know what's a hurt versus injured situation. And uh, I'm curious to hear what your guys' opinion is on, on this. I mean, for, to me, this is, it's very hard in the aspect of the, um, the amount of, I don't know if this is the right answer, but the amount of money that is directly generated by Aaron Rodgers playing or not playing in the scheme of the Packers and the NFL. I mean, if he's, uh, a defensive back. I mean, if he plays, he doesn't play great. But if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, they're not winning. If they don't win, that might be the difference between them making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. Um, so it just the the that culture, especially for I mean that type of player, is so ingrained into football. Um, 
I think we've seen it change from injuries such as concussions, um, but from some other type of injuries um, like a knee. Um, I, I I don't know if that will ever change. Um, maybe at least to the extent that you would like it to, Kev. Right. Um, do you do you, I, you know? Do you think it's changed with with concussions? Um, I think it's definitely on the right path. And like our, our just previous discussion on the last couple of concussion injuries that we talked about, like there's only so much you can do just because of the nature of the injury itself, yeah. you know, in terms of trying to change a culture. But to me, especially for young kids, it's hard to decipher between my knee versus my head and my life versus a couple of weeks. You know, it's, it's hard to yeah. separate that. And and most kids are, are like you said, Kev, they're going to say, all right, my idol is Aaron Rodgers. What is Aaron Rodgers going to do in this situation? Would Aaron Rodgers take himself out of a game for just a knee? No. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to emulate him. I'm going to be just as tough as Rodgers. I'm going to go out there and be the next Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to lead my team every week, show everybody what it means to be tough and show my coaches that I can be that guy, right? And, and that's how we build that culture, you know? And um, it's a, it definitely is a tough case uh, when it comes to the professional levels, right? You're paying these athletes how, how much money? You know, you as an owner, they want to see their guys out there, you know? They want to know or they want to say, hey, you know what? That's what I pay them for, you know, not to, not to sit out games and, 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 and not to be uh, um, uh, hurt or weak. I pay him to be in there to, to win the game when it counts. Right. The- and I think <laughs> another good point to make is that all, most of the people who are making these comments about his toughness are not people from NFL headquarters or the NFL PR department. They don't have control over what the coach says what the uh, commentator says. And a lot of the guys who are making these comments are all guys who played in the league and played in an era where this was tough. And this was what kind of, you know, set the foundation for the culture that we're trying to change. Yeah. And I, I think as, as much as what you said is true, like it's, it's the, it, it's the coach, it's the players, it's the ex players, it's the announcers. The thing that you kind of have to keep in mind is these guys are so programmed um, on how to deal with the media and what they say to the media that regardless of the specifics of the situation um, and the extent of his injury, when the head coach and the quarterback and the announcers get asked about it, they're just going to spout the football cliches with warrior and toughness, regardless of um, – it, how accurate it, it it might be does that make sense like and that's and that it it doesn't help the culture at all but the the verbiage that they use and the way they talk to the media will never ever change just because of how little information that they really want to give out but at the same time they know they need to give some information out and like you said that football co- culture is what it is um but how they how they go about um, deciphering that information out to the public just isn't going to change, in my opinion, regardless of the extent of the injury, because they don't want to say anything. And it's a lot easier for the head coach to go up after the game and say, ah, oh, he left everything on the field. He's a warrior, blah, blah, blah. Like, 
he doesn't he he he's he's never going to go to the podium and say you know what he was a hundred percent he really wasn't that hurt there was no problem with him playing this week <laughs> you know what I mean Absolutely. right it's like uh, these guys are storytellers that's that's Correct. part of their job Correct. but well, guys have the, you the fact that they're storytellers hurts hurts your football culture ever changing right do, do you guys feel like some of this, the way that the athletes approach it is done out of maybe an element of fear or anxiety. And what I mean by that is, you know, do, do you feel like there's this anxiety or fear that if I don't go out there and I don't perform, I'm going to lose my job? You know, the, the guy that's sitting on the bench is waiting for my spot. And I'm not talking just about Rogers because Rogers is a superstar and you Obviously, you know, you, not just anybody's going to replace Aaron. But when you think about other players who are going through the same type of thing but don't get the same hoopla as Aaron, um, you know, do you think that there is a culture of fear and anxiety that's building within players who, um, in the fact that they are uh, afraid of losing their jobs and they have to go out there and play hurt? I, oh, I definitely think that's yeah, hundred percent. I would say much more so in the preseason with ninety-man rosters and guys who know that they probably, if they don't practice, they probably will get cut. Um, if they're the eighty-fifth man on the uh, on the roster and they're going to keep forty or fifty-three guys at the come 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 cut down, and you kind of hard. That's what Hard Knocks has done such a great job of almost uh, shedding some light on uh, is that. If if you go down with an injury in 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 the preseason, I mean you're waived injured and you get an injury settlement and you can revert back to the team's IR and you're not completely kicked to the curb and told to go home. But at the same time, a lot of times in preseason, those minor injuries um, get you off the team. Especially like I said, for those guys who haven't been in the league for a while and uh, haven't been on rosters. Um, but at the same time, you see a lot of also where those guys try to hide injuries don't want to sit out or go say anything. Um, and then they ended up not playing as well because they're hurt. And then they end up getting cut anyway. So it's a really fine line. But I definitely think that's 100% a thing, especially in the preseason with uh, rosters as big as they are and guys who realistically know they're probably not going to make the team anyway. Yeah, I did an interview with a guy named Khalil Glaude. He played for Rutgers and he spent a couple of years in the NFL bouncing around from team to team. And he really – highlighted that exact issue of like these guys who are fringe players and like just barely making rosters every year, you know, the pressures that it, it they, they have to play her and to not disclose their concussions and stuff like that when they're trying to, you know, keep their job. So um, it's definitely a, a tough place in terms of Aaron's injury. I don't think, you know, if Aaron sat out four weeks, he would still have the starting job again when he came back. So that's, <laughs> it, I don't think that's his excuse, but you know, either way, but I, I hope he doesn't, further hurt himself like I always think back to RG3 and you know his knee injury coming back probably too soon and who knows you know like that's that could be that was the end of his career essentially effectively uh, yeah, yeah. Career, yeah. Uh, all right you guys actually before I, I just wanted to give a, a small example before we started into the illegal hits but uh Jacksonville Jaguars running back Leonard Fournette sat out last week with a, a hamstring injury and to me this is just like I like this because it, it, hamstring injuries are often 
thought of as kind of minor injuries. Uh, but I like that Jacksonville is taking the approach of kind of like playing the long game. And they still found success this weekend, and they beat the Patriots. So, um, I don't know. I just thought it was a, a good example of, you know, yeah, no, not always playing absolutely. her is, yeah. Absolutely. You know, hamstrings are, are actually kind of a, a weird type of thing. They're, it's one of those injuries that's, that can take a few days or really take weeks and weeks and even months to, to get better. Um, and I, I do agree with you, Kev. I think that this was a, a good example of a team kind of, you know what, let our star kind of take a rest. We'll give him the time to kind of heal a little bit and we will surround him and support him as a team and pick him up. And they did just that. I mean, they went into to New England and just dominated. Right, and think about the confidence that that probably gives Leonard Fournette to know that he doesn't have to go out there and kind of sacrifice his health to still get wins. You know, he could take care of himself and you know rely on his teammates to pick him up and know that he'll still come back and be you know the guy when he comes back. Oh yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the illegal hits, uh, starting with. Uh, uh, Sendejo, who is a frequent flyer on last year's podcast for illegal hits. Um, Josh, did you see this hit? Maybe you could uh, take us through it. Yeah, I did. Sorry, I was muting a cough. So I know you would get mad at me if I. Nice, dude. It up on That's air. like on the fly <laughs> mute. That's I know. Really good. <laughs> no, I did. You're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. Um, no, so yeah, I, I, I did see this. It's. Uh, I mean, it's. They, he he did get a penalty on this, correct? Yeah, it was a penalty. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, your boy Devontae Adams goes over the middle, catches the ball, jumps up and catches the ball high. Um, so he leaves his feet. Obviously, he's being tackled from behind, so he is using the term turtling, um, going down to the ground. But like he is, if there's if there's ever a tackle. Like this is this is it. He's being tackled, um, and Sendejo is uh, in center field basically, and he doesn't launch like some of the ones that we've we've talked about last year, but he uh, he just he lunges with his head and makes helmet to helmet contact. It's just uh, for as for as much as um, the intent isn't there, it's just he's he's putting himself uh, in the wrong position um, in a risky in a, in a risky spot to make helmet down the contact. Right. For, first, I wanted to comment, like, does Devontae Adams have, like, a target on his helmet? Because this dude gets lit up in the head, like, <laughs> multi, like all the time. But, it's a size thing. Honestly, I think it's a size thing. Like, he's, he's your typical s- smaller wide receiver, um, but still goes over the middle a ton. And he's one of the, and he catches and goes down a lot. So, I mean, it's almost at wide receivers, it's almost become more dangerous to catch and go down to the ground just because of uh, where defensive backs are trying to target you. Right. And uh, yeah, just to comment on the hit itself, he, you're right. He didn't leave his feet, but I think where he went wrong was that he kind of, uh, he led with his head. Like had he kind of turned to the side and really led the contact with the shoulder I don't think we would be talking about this hit today. Um, so yeah, and also it's, it, it's contact that probably doesn't even need to be made. I know it's, it's easy to say that watching it, but I mean he probably didn't even need to touch Adam. 
he could have just stood there. He was he was gonna he was getting tackled. He was going to the ground. Um, I right. Don't know. Yeah, but it was, he's it, but it, he's, it was more he, of like a ball dislodged situation. Yeah, but basically he's committed to not changing how he's played, which is fine. So <laughs> he's gonna keep getting penalties. Right, and getting fined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. He's, Enough on that one. Uh, let's go on to. Uh, Cam being punished for being smart. So remember a couple years ago, Cam was getting beat up and for not sliding. So in this situation, he did slide. And Atlanta Falcons safety, uh, DeMonte Kazee, was – I always have put a question mark on the end of the last name because I never know how to say it. But he was ejected (laughs) for unnecessary. KZ. Say it with authority. (laughs) But he was ejected for unnecessary roughness. And basically Cam was just – slide in at the end of a run or a scramble and it was, it was like terrible like what were you thinking dude like kind of yeah. deal but to me i i honestly i thought he like realized it as late as you possibly could and tried to like bail out at the end and knew he was knew he already messed up but he just it was it was just way too late um he didn't i in my opinion it didn't look like he drove through him as bad as it looked like he was going to but he tried to. It looked like he tried to stop, but he already could, had committed to diving into into Cam when he was sliding, and he made helmet helmet contact. And he was, I don't, I don't think there was a question he was going to get thrown out. No, right. absolutely not. But every time I hear uh, uh, Kevin uh, pronouncing names, it just kind of takes me back to to the, to an episode of Key and Peel's The Substitute. You know, we've got A.A. Ron and Jay Quellen, or even Balake. <laughs> And you know, or Blake, whichever one you'd like. <laughs> but um, I think we, I think, I think, Kev, we need to come up with our own episode where where we just take uh, names of pronunciation of names for you, and we'll we'll correct them. We'll have Josh correct them, and we'll have uh, we'll have Kev kind of give the initial names. Yeah, that'd be a great, great Instagram post. Yeah, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> give me a list of names that I'm supposed to say, and then I'll say it wrong and then you correct me on how it's actually supposed to be said at least you I try like, I like, for the most part i, do I like try. uh kyle Yuschik today i like that one that was a great one silent silent jail there. never forget it silent silent here, jay <laughs> i'm here with my co-host ash boyd ash boyd <laughs> unbelievable uh, okay now let's move on to LeGarrette Blount got ejected uh, for coming up the sidelines and shoving an opposing player. You want to take us through this little Royal, Royal Rumble, Joshua? Or I mean, Oshawa? Yeah, I mean, it was, kind of, it was kind of comical if you want to watch the video. It wasn't a very violent shove. Um, but uh, Stafford, so Blount wasn't in on the play. He was on the sideline. But in, in football, usually the guys – like Blunt's a running back, he plays a lot, but he wasn't in on that play, so he's right on the sideline, waiting to waiting to go back in, staying next to the offensive coordinator, who's uh, you know shouting out the position groups and everything. But so Stafford uh, scrambles to the sideline, runs out of bounds, and like kind of trips over the ref and another player. And Blunt, I guess, was like half paying attention and thought a different guy on the 49ers, like late hit him out of bounds his quarterback. So he was like standing up for his quarterback. So he just like steps on the field and pushes, just shoves a guy over and it wasn't even the right guy. Um, but he got ejected for it. So it was classic. It was, I mean, it was kind of, it you was kind of comical. Though? Come on. He was standing up for his, 
he was he was that's my quarterback, man. Mm-hmm. A la a la T.O. That's my quarterback. That's it. I'm telling you, you, you know what? I respect the fact that he was standing up for for Stafford. Stafford takes some some good lumps yeah. throughout the season, so you know, respect. And it was it was also it was also very late in the game. The, the Lions were down by a couple scores, and there was like five minutes left or so. So it really didn't have that big of an impact on the game. But just interesting. He was probably just trying to get be the first one to like the team snack at the end of the game. Very possible. First dibs. <laughs> Uh, Josh, was there any uh, helmet rule penalties called this past weekend? So, based on my research, I found one. Uh, it was in the first quarter of the Jags-Patriots uh, game. The linebacker for the Jaguars, Telvin Smith, had a penalty for lowering helmet to make contact. Uh, I could not find a video of it anywhere. A lot of complaints on Twitter about how it's not football, blah, blah, blah. But I, I didn't see it, so I can't really – I can't make a comment, but – Nice. Basically, if we're averaging one a week, um, I don't know. It's one a week. What's the what's even the point of the rule? You know, uh, in, in my opinion, right? And it's such a drastic difference from the preseason when they were throwing it left and right. You know, it's like correct, correct, correct. Uh, so. All right, let's move on to how what some flags that the refs are throwing, and that's uh, protecting our cubes. If you know what I mean. Uh, you want to explain the the Clay Matthews uh, penalty? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this is probably the biggest uh, refereeing topic of discussion for the first two weeks. Um, last week, it was kind of the landing on the quarterback with the body weight, um, which I get it. They're trying to take out of the game. That's how Aaron Rodgers got hurt. They want the quarterbacks to play. Um, this week, we had a situation where uh, the in the Packers Vikings game, which we touch on a lot this week. Um, Packers were up by eight with a minute left. Cousins threw an interception, game over, and Clay Matthews got called for roughing the passer. Vikings ended up going down, scoring a touchdown, converting two-point conversion. They ended up tying the game. I mean, but the game was over if they didn't call this roughing the passer penalty. We do have a video of this up. It was all over the place. Um, the referee said that Clay Matthews burped the quarterback. <laughs> that, that was the definition of what drew the penalty. He was burping the quarterback. Um, and basically what he meant by that is that he forcibly picked up the quarterback off the ground to make a tackle. So it wasn't, he didn't land on him with his body weight, but he forcibly picked him up before tackle taking him to the ground. Um, it's depending on what side of the argument you're on. Um, people are going to have a lot of vitriol either way, um, depending on your bias, but uh, I don't, I mean, if they're going to, if, as long as they call it every single time, uh, it's, it's whatever to me, it just stinks that it happens to decide, to decide a game, but Kev, what do you, what do you think about it? Or Waz, what do you think about it? It was a pretty bang, bang play. It looked like even uh, on the video, you know what I mean? It, and oh, it wasn't to, late at all. No, not at all. It was so bang, bang that it, how do you. How do you take the momentum out of your body to to not uh, drive the the quarterback in there? You know what I mean. He kind of just speared him essentially, and I don't necessarily see where he you know just lifts him up intentionally and drives him into there. I think it was just one continuous motion, and you know I get protecting the quarterback, but this is I think You're this one's you a little bit insane. You don't I, see the burp. I, I, 
as a medical professional, I don't see the burp. I, I do not see the burp. But I see, I see a old school um, uh, spear. That's what I see. Just straight up spearing, spearing the quarterback in. And I, I think it was totally legal. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, there's, there's not even close to any helmet contact. It's not late at all. Um, it's just, I mean, Cousins was putting, putting, putting all his body weight into the throw because he was throwing it, it 40 was a, yards downfield. It was a straight Bill Goldberg finisher. That's all it was. Just the spear. That's all it was. Goldberg. Kev, what do you, uh, Kev, what do you think? Yeah. My, my thoughts are obviously skewed because I'm a Packers fan and this, ultimately uh, cost them a win but anyway uh, i think that in watching the hit had clay matthews not lifted kirk cousins right leg up as he was going down i don't think they would have called a penalty i think at this point just to be safe i think defensive players that are hitting the quarterback need to just shoulder them you, like you can't wrap them up you just got to try to knock them over because if you land on them you're going to get a penalty if you if you wrap and make a form like to me like Clay Matthews tackle is like a perfect form tackle like that's how you would tackle like a dummy at practice you know yeah. it, 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 so I I think it was uh, in in uh, I don't know a questionable call for sure and obviously had an impact on the game but I think to be safe these defensive players are going to have to just like go with the shoulder collision method as opposed to the wrap and wrap and roll method well well i did i did a little bit of research and this is from the, the roughing the passer standpoint so last year uh there was 107 roughing the passer penalties in 17 weeks uh of the regular season which is 6.29 uh penalties per week and roughing the passer um this year there's already been 21 in two weeks, which is obviously 10 and a half a week, or which would put it on a pace of 17 weeks for 178. So that's almost 80 more roughing the passer calls. Um, so if it continues on this pace, there's going to be a lot more that are highly questionable and that maybe decide game. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll see if officials adjust, which I don't think they're going to adjust on this one. Um, and we'll see if defenders adjust, and we'll see if we had get get some plays where defenders clearly let up, and it ends up uh, costing them points, which could also determine the outcome of games. We can definitely put a check mark in uh, penalties that or uh, calls that affected or cost a game or the end of a game, actually, um, to be more clear with this one, because obviously that was the interception that would have ended the game um, on that play. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, I know they tied, but what if what if uh, Green Bay misses out on home field advantage by a half a game? You know, absolutely. I mean, that's that's kind of what we go back to with money wise. I mean, that that play could ultimately end up costing the Packers millions of dollars in revenue from a home playoff game that they don't get to have. So, I mean, I get I get it. You're trying to protect the quarterbacks, but uh, some of them are tough. <laughs> Good discussion, Josh. Great stats. Very impressed. Uh, now we're moving on to uh, the NFL way to play uh, week one recipient, which is obviously I'm a huge fan of this initiative by the NFL. Basically, they're just rewarding players for playing 
the right way and within the rules and in a safe manner. Um, this week one's uh, recipient is Quandre Diggs, and his hit is on – you can see the, the, the proper hit, but it's basically on a defenseless receiver, leads with a shoulder, makes a solid hit, um, but everyone came up unscathed. Uh, Josh, I don't know if you want to explain the situation or if you want to have is, any other further I, comment. I think this is. I think this should be your thing. This is your. You're jacked up about this. I think you should explain this one. Uh, okay, this is your so baby. I believe that this yeah, was this on your uh, baby. You love on this. Thursday night of week one. Am I correct? Monday night, prime time. Monday night, close enough. It was my. It was yeah. Either way, I got the prime time part right. Was, um, yeah, the prime time. Yeah, basically, Quandre Diggs is a safety, and he came up and tried to disrupt the 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 ball, and he made contact with his helmet, but he really led the hit with his shoulder. Uh, made a really hard hit on the receiver. I believe the receiver still caught it though, um, and they still got a first down. But I just more want to point out that this is what I want to see more of the NFL, less and the media. Because, you know, less of the Aaron Rodgers, you're such a warrior for playing hurt, and more of like, wow, look at this guy, he made a great play, and he did it in a safe way. So I'm looking forward to, you know, highlighting more of these types of plays uh, throughout uh, the season. I also like that they're open to, like, sharing these kind of videos now. Like, it's more accessible. They, they share the bad hits, they share the good hits, and it's just easier to, like, spread the message of, like, how we should be playing football. Yeah, that is the biggest thing that they've done. The operations we, that you touched on last week, the operations Twitter handle is a, um, is a very positive thing uh, for the NFL, I think. Yeah, it's on point. Uh, next topic of discussion, not really necessarily related to injuries, but also kind of related to injuries, is uh, Vontae Davis's best impersonation of Houdini. Uh, and this is like all over the radio and – you know, people had all sorts of different opinions on him leaving the middle of the game. Um, but basically, uh, I'll read his personal statement after the game, uh, which was, uh, this isn't how I pictured retiring from the NFL, uh, but in my 10th NFL season, I've been doing what my body has been programmed to do. Get ready to play on game day. I've endured multiple surgeries and played through many different injuries throughout my career. And over the last few weeks, this was my latest physical challenge. But today on the field really hit me fast and hard. I shouldn't I shouldn't be out there anymore. I meant no disrespect to my teammates and coaches. I hold myself to a standard. Mentally, I always expect myself to play at a high level. But physically, I know today that isn't possible. And I had an honest moment with myself while I was on the field. I just didn't feel right. And I told coaches I'm not feeling like myself. I... Also wondered, do I want to keep sacrificing? And truthfully, I do not because the season is long and it is more important for me and my family to walk away healthy than to willfully embrace the warrior mentality and limp away too late. This was an overwhelming decision, but I am at peace with myself and my family. I choose to be grateful to God for allowing me to play the game that I have loved as a boy until I turned 30 years old. I choose to be grateful to God for being a part of the NFL and making lifelong friends over the last decade. Uh, there are there were roadblocks and pitfalls along the way, but I'm grateful to God for all of it because he doesn't promise any of us an easy journey. Lastly, I'm grateful to God for what he has in store for me ahead in this next chapter of my life. And 
number one, that was probably the best thing I've ever read on this podcast without really messing up too much. Uh, I just want to point that out. But two, everyone, his teammates, the media, we're all like slamming this guy. I'm curious like what your guys' thoughts are on this before I give my own opinion. Um, and I will say I, I, I know what your opinion is. Um, the kind of devil's advocate to your opinion is that as good as that statement sounds, I would imagine that there is a chance that a lot of guys in the locker room on the Bills think that it's just a bunch of BS and it's just made up because it sounds good. Um, and that's the best excuse that you can give um, to have some people on your side for um, quitting, basically. Um, but you'll, but no one, but it's, we don't know that, um, if that's really how he feels and it's a hundred percent, um, honest, um, then yeah, you, you can, you, you can, you can support him for, um, going through with it and going against that football culture and warrior and toughness and knowing when to step out. But at the same time, I just don't know if that's. It sounds good. I think it's a PR thing. I just don't know how how honest it really is. You know, I I I hear you with that, Josh. Too. Um, obviously, the the biggest thing that everybody's going to say is, "Hey, he quit on his teammates," and uh, especially right in the middle of a game, right? I mean, who who does such a thing? You know how how do you enter with your 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 brotherhood and you say, "All right, you know what." I'm done with this. You know, I, uh, I'm just, I, I'm not even going out on the other, uh, in the second half. They can figure out something and I'm just going to walk out. You know, I, I feel that obviously this was, I think this was a tough, tough decision because he had to have known that he was going to be met with a lot of flack for this. Um, and, you know, looking at what he said, I, I've, I definitely agree with Josh and the fact that I do think that in many ways this was a, a very calculated um, or premeditated um, uh, uh, statement to put out there that says all the right things. Um, if, if indeed it is true, then absolutely, you know what, stand by the guy. Gut feeling is, hey, you know what, kind of quit on his teammates. Could he have made it through the end of the game? And then say, "All right, I'm done." That's that. That's probably where would be a little bit more respectful. Correct. Thoughts and Kev, Kev? I'll, I'll I'll say one more thing before you jump in. Um, if he does this at the end of the game, in the middle of the week, it barely raises a headline. Um, but secondly, he was a healthy, uh, uh, a healthy inactive week one, 100% healthy. Coaches' decisions didn't play. Um, week two, they give him a helmet he's on the bills they got blown out the first week they're getting blown out in week two and he's been in the league for 12 enough 12 years and he's like you know what i've made my money this is his first year on the bills he has no um real deep-rooted connection to anybody there or anybody in the organization um and he has had some issues uh in the past um in terms of uh um team being a teammate kind of guy. So that's just the other thing to kind of, to get the whole story. All right. So I, I, I see your, your guys' views as well. 
And I think my initial opinion when I heard about this was like, dude, what the hell? Like, yeah, like you couldn't wait until the end of the game, you know, kind of deal. Um, but then the other side of me remembers the 17-year-old who was afraid to tell my coach and everyone that my head was hurting me and how hard of a decision that even know, knowing now that I almost died playing football because I decided not to tell someone that my head hurt, um, you know, I, if I, if I went back today, it would still be a very difficult decision for me to make. And, you know, the transition to life after sports and after football is not an easy one. And I think this decision is not one to take lightly. Um, so yeah, could he be kind of just, you know, riding the bandwagon of health and safety and, you know, leaving the sport to preserve your health 100%. But at the same time, you know, maybe this was the only way that he could make that retirement and make that tough decision. And this is the way that he did it. And, you know, obviously people don't necessarily care for it or it's not the most admirable way to go out, but this is how he chose to do it. And to me, that's like a a sign of toughness and to kind of be your own person and know what's what's best for you. And it's in a world where you're expected to put the team above everything. Um, the hardest thing you could do is go against that. And this was maybe the, the easiest way out for him. Um, just my, my opinion. Yeah. And you know what? We'll probably never, never know the truth uh, about whether, how much of this, his statement he believed, you know, um, but you never know. I mean, right. all of this, I mean, you know, you've got to respect any athlete's decision to, to leave, a game behind you know what is he does he have anything to gain from making it history for the first person to quit in the middle of a game no you know what i mean he's made his money he's done the things that he's wanted to do and he i guess he's come to um grips with all his accomplishments within football and now it's that time where he's ready to transition but again what are you going to be known for? Not for any of the things that you did in your career. Your legacy is completely shattered. It's You're going to be the trivia question of who was the guy who quit in the middle of the game? Yeah. Who retired? Yeah. He's now and a trivia we'll all question. Know the answer. I suck at trivia, <laughs> but I'll know that answer. Kevin, can you uh, give right. us a, a pronunciation of this uh, player's name? <laughs> uh... Vante Davis. Ah, he's fr- he is now French. <laughs> yeah, we oui, we. Oui. Uh, <laughs> all right, just to, to wrap up this episode, um, I've already stole an hour from these fine gentlemen. Uh, there was an update video on Zach Miller's injury that I think it featured last night on Monday Great Night video. Football. I missed it. Um, Great really video. cool. It takes you through the ins and outs of the injury, how he almost lost his leg and really the severity of that injury. And what was interesting to me is that no one to this point has told him uh, no, that he can never play football again. And, you know, after watching the video, you're like, dude, like, are you seriously going to play football after this? Because, like, you've already, like, cheated, not death, but, like, at least the loss of a limb, which is not insignificant at all. Um, you really want to go back and put yourself in a situation where you could, you know, damage, you know, Possibly something. do that again. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I, would you be more vulnerable to that, Waz, if he were to go back? 
You know, you know, most people say whenever you you suffer a dislocation uh, of a um, of a particular uh, body part, you're more prone to them. Um, obviously, if they're not fixed. Uh, in this case, I mean, they're securing the leg and and things like that. But you just never know in this league. I mean, any freak accident, freak hit can completely put you at risk again for the same exact situation so you know although nobody's told them no i mean it's incredible watching this video it kind of gets gives you a little bit of chills when you when you see the emotions behind it and and the fear in his voice from it um of of the thought of potentially waking up out of surgery without his leg you know, it, it, it's it's absolutely crazy. I, I I think that everybody should really take a, a look at it. I think it's a it's a good little uh, seven minute clip. Yeah, the last point I want to make about it is just that I think it's good that doctors haven't told him that he couldn't play anymore. Even though in his gut, I'm sure he already knows that that's not really an option. Because I can't tell you how many athletes I've interviewed where when they're told that they you know, can't play a sport anymore. And I lo- I know from experience myself, like how devastating and unmotivating that is to even just like recover to a normal state, not even like a professional athlete. So I just think it's a, a, a good point to make. Um, it's last the athlete talk- psyche. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but last talking point as we wrap things up here is uh, uh, pro football Hall of Famers are seeking health insurance or future, you know, Hall of Famers are se- seeking uh, health insurance from the league, and they've threatened to boycott uh, future ceremonies going forward without it. Um, but uh, do you guys have any any thoughts on that? Like, should the NFL be giving these this, guys health insurance? This or? is a total joke. You know what? I, and the only reason that I say this is because this is purely selfish. This is these guys are only seeking health insurance for themselves. They're not seeking and for the for the just the Hall of Famers. What about the other guys? What about the ten year vets that are out there who will never make it to the to the Hall of Fame, right? You know, I think that this is an absolute uh, um, just selfish cry by these guys. And do we even have to listen to it? It's just what are these guys? These are the ones that are saying that they're not going to show up to to the induction ceremonies if they don't get this who cares you know if it was for everybody else in the league this would be a different story to me but uh, this is just a selfish ploy and what are your thoughts guys uh i mean honestly that was the first thing that i thought was uh that it's just of people in the hall of fame and not everyone else who's played that's not in the hall of fame but if you read it, they have some good points about the broad scope of healthcare in general for uh, NFL players and retired NFL players. Um, and they have the big, a lot bigger platform than um, people, the guys who play that aren't in the Hall of Fame. Um, so to them, maybe that's the first step into getting everybody uh, health um, care for the rest of their lives. Um, but uh, it's, this is I'm sure this isn't the end of this uh, discussion for them. So it, and I'm and to be honest, I'm sure it's something that the uh, that the NFL and the Hall of Fame don't want. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of big big names on this list, and um, I'm sure they could convince 
if not a whole group, half of a uh, inductee group to not show up. If you get four or five guys inducted and don't go, then I think the NFL has an issue. But there's a lot more um, to come from this, I think. Yeah, I mean, my only opinion is like I, I know a lot of these guys are kind of left beaten and battered and, you know, left for to fend for themselves for the rest of their lives, which, you know, can accumulate significant health care costs. Um, a lot of that has to do with money management and stuff like that. But either way, you know, it, absolutely it, think of like workers' compensation and other industries with high incident rates of injury, you know, generally it's on the employer. So they, they, I think some of them have an argument. Others might just be, you know, trying to, you know, ride the coattails of other people who really need it. So absolutely. And I think that, yes, if it's a sounding board whereby, you know, more of these guys get um, health insurance. Great, but you know the way that it's presented. I think it, it was uh, in the wrong manner, you know. Um, but again, I, I would definitely like to see, you know, some of these other guys get taken care of, and not just the Hall of Famers. Right. Well, gentlemen, thank you for your time tonight, and uh, I look forward to talk, sitting down with you guys again in uh, week three and hopefully we'll, we'll all be together again like one big happy family.